0: West Ridge. I am uh, deeply grateful to be here. Uh, my family is with me, uh, Zion and uh, TJ and my wife, and I'm very thankful uh, for their support and giving me an opportunity and just being with me this morning. Um, this is the first time I've, I've spoken to any type of audience. Uh, since the accident. And, you know, even as I sit here uh, this morning, I have a praise on the inside of my heart. I mean, can anybody in here uh, just with me, just for a moment, thank God for His goodness, uh, for His mercy, uh, that His love is still enduring? I mean... When I when I when I think about the goodness of God, sometimes I, I just get really excited. And I'm gonna to try to stand here for a moment, but I just have to get up and give God some praise because uh, three months ago, I didn't know that I would be able to stand again. I didn't know if I would be able to walk again. And I have to testify that I serve a God who is able to redeem, who is able to set free, who is able to liberate, who is able to give strength to those who are weak. And I'm just so grateful and thankful this morning that I get a chance to worship our God, our God who sent his only begotten and Son for our sins, to wash away all of our sins on the face of this planet, so that when we believe in Jesus, that we are able to be reconciled to our God and experience the love of God. Is anybody in here grateful this morning? I'm so grateful that I get a chance to join in a series called, and they they, they walk with God, which is focused on Old Testament characters that held on to their faith through various stories and trials. And as it is my custom, I would like to read the passage of, of Scripture that I would like to focus on and give our attention to and then pray. And if you would, could you please turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, verses 23-23 through 24. Once you get there, I also want you to reflect upon the words in Genesis 50 and verse 20. This will set up my short sermon about an Old Testament person of faith that I think we all love and adore, and his name is Joseph. And it reads, Genesis 37, so it came to pass When Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and that pit was empty. There was no water in it. Genesis 50 and verse 20. This is Joseph speaking. But as for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Let us pray. God of the universe, I pray that you would be with my words today. As I stand and as I sit, be with those who are under the sound of my voice, who may be experiencing tremendous amounts of pressure, uncertainty, or even pain. Be with those who may need to be reminded that you are the God who walks with us through difficulty and comforts us in pain. Ultimately, I pray that you lift your son, Jesus, and remind us that it's all about him. It is in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Uh, This morning I have to be honest and totally vulnerable. Uh, Being here with this walker and preaching from a wheelchair makes me a little nervous and raw. This is the first time I've been in a large setting like this uh, to speak to open up or even reflect on what it means to have faith while suffering. Or even try to explain what happened that caused me to end up in a wheelchair. There are some of you who may know and many of you who probably do not know and are wondering, what what, what happened? And I'm vulnerable for a couple of reasons. The first reason is, I'm not fully healed. I'm learning to walk again and, and fight to get back up every single day that I show up to physical therapy. And it's been difficult. For two and a half months, I battled, battled with tremendous pain. It's the type of pain, the type of nerve pain that sometimes medications do not take away. It's the type of pain where I where I sat in my doctor's office and I, I asked him, what can I do just to take away this pain? There are many months where or two months where I couldn't have like proper sleep at night. I remember being in the hospital and unable to be uh, able to move from a bed and I'm used to getting up and moving around and, and the doctor tells me, he says, it's going to be four to six months before you can, can really fully get back to yourself, maybe even four months before you can walk. I learned the depths of what it means to live with a disability and how some places don't have APA accommodation. And how some people will look at you funny when you're walking around with a walker or rolling around in a wheelchair. But I come here to remind somebody that just because a person is per- permanently with a disability or living temporarily with a disability does not mean that they are less worthy. We are people who are still worthy enough to be a part of God's beloved community. And the other thing is, it makes me vulnerable is I'm, I'm still in pain. There's not one day that goes by that I haven't felt pain. Even as I stand or sit here, I can still feel pain in my leg. But I've learned that pain I experience as a result of my injury does not define who I am or how I am loved by God. I remember sitting in my wheelchair out on the porch one day, unable to move my leg, and I, and I realized that I have the power to speak back to pain, and I pen these words, and these words go like this. Pain, I will not let, let you make me bitter. Pain, I will not let you deflate me. Pain, I will not permit you to take away my hope. Pain, I will not allow you to rob me of my healthiness. Pain, I will fight you. I will grapple with you. And I will not let you go until I turn you into purpose. But if we're real, I think we will all agree that there's sometimes that moments seem to knock the wind out of us. Sometimes the fragility of life does not warn you when this might happen. These Job-like experiences are not all the same, but if we're honest, they still create moments where life is painful and it seems like God is distant. When these things happen, seemingly out of the blue, you're left gasping for air. Maybe you walked into the doctor's office and heard the words you weren't expecting, You'll have to have this surgery or I'm sorry to inform you, fill in the blank. Maybe you're someone who is suffering and on the brink of divorce or battling depression because it has a grip around your hope. Maybe you've lost a loved one within the past few months or a spouse or recently you had to become a caregiver out of the blue. Maybe it was a car accident or a job layoff or the income you once had coming in is now different while inflation has driven up housing costs and simple things like gas, eggs and milk. Maybe it was your health that started to decline out of the blue. See, life as a way of knocking the wind out of us. And I have to ask you, how do you have faith when you suffer? See, I know this all too well. Almost three months ago, I was headed home from a dinner, celebrating with my wife. I had fallen asleep in the car, and literally life knocked the wind out of us. I remember waking up on the ground with no warning. On the road in a near fatal car accident, I heard someone yell in the background, check to see if he's alive. As people stood around my bloody body and broken bones, the MT turned me over to check my vitals. I blinked and I glanced over at the smashed car and saw my wife, Hobbling over to me in tears as she attempted to get around this mangled car. I blacked out again. I woke up in the hospital with doctors over me saying they needed to perform two emergencies quickly because my bone was close to the artery that could take my life. Then I heard that my wife had to be admitted to the hospital as well. Eventually, my wife started to recover, but I soon learned that I would have to spend almost a month in the hospital. Yeah, whole month. Confined to a bed a whole month, depending on total strangers to do some of the most basic things that I had done all my adult life. Give me medication, get me things, change my clothes. It was humbling. Suffering will humble you. There were days that I could barely think because the nerve pain was so intense. It would leave me in the bed, unable to move, literally for days. And there were two things happening at one time. I was suffering, but I had faith. You ever suffer, but there's a paradox happening at the same time while you still have faith? And if I'm honest, I wrestled. I wrestled with my faith, I wrestled with God, and I questioned everything. There is all I could do sometimes is just cry out, God, I need you. And if we're honest, there's these types of responses to suffering that all of us could relate to. And one of them is whenever you're faced with suffering and of any kind, you immediately question your worth when you're facing grief. Because when life hits us, especially after loss, it can seem to many of us like we're in this cycle of denial and anger and bargaining and depression. And we question our worth because it doesn't feel like we are being loved when we are suffering. Because suffering never feels like love. If we are loved, we wonder. If that love still holds true when we're faced with suffering, we will lament and relate to the psalmist David's words when he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" We question, "How do you suffer with your faith?" Whenever we're faith was suffering, we look around and we we wonder who who is with us suffering. While experiencing any type of challenge is a lonely experience. And when you're going through suffering, we need community around us. I remember when I was in the hospital, there was this nurse named Andy, if you could pull up the picture. This guy, I didn't know him from Adam. He came to my room and he's my nurse one night. And he says, I want to pray for you going to pray that God gives you the ability to get out of this bed because the same injury you had, I was in the hospital for an entire year. He says, I thought my life was going to end and I had already told my My wife. I had given her the will just in case something happened to me, but God lifted me and I'm going to pray this over you. And Andy came to my room, even when he wasn't my staff nurse for the night and prayed with me. God sent somebody, an angel, uh, a person or a messenger of God who had the faith to come up and show up in my suffering. And I come here to tell somebody that when you are going through the midst of your child, you need community around you. People who will remind you that God is still good. God is still to be glorified. God can redeem out out of darkness what Satan is trying to hold over your head. God is able to lift you up as the psalmist said in Psalm 3 and verse 3 and give you the power to walk through your song. I met Andy in that hallway the first day I got up. And he ran up to me and he says, we praise God in the middle of the hall. Other nurses were looking at Andy. Other people were looking at Andy. But Andy and I knew that we served somebody greater that didn't reside in the hospital. We, I served, we served a God who was able to sit on the edges of the universe, who to fling stars into the sky, to stop, tell water to stop, to tell storms to stop, to show up with people in the midst of suffering and give them the strength in their weakness. That's the type of God we serve. And that's the type of God I'm professing this morning. And it made me think about Joseph. How did Joseph spend 13 years suffering? How did Joseph maintain his faith while he was suffering? And what's ironic and interesting about this story is that when we find Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, it says that, Joseph's father loved him. Hmm. Joseph's father loved him. He loved him so much that he gave him a tunic of many colors. But at the core of Joseph's story has betrayal and, and hatred and unfortunate circumstance after unfortunate circumstance. But it said that his father loved him. Okay, you're missing that. So let me say it like this. Joseph was loved by his father, but yet he found himself thrown into a pit by his brothers. Hmm. Joseph was loved by his father, but yet he found himself being sold into slavery. Hmm. Joseph was loved by his father, but yet he found himself being tempted by Potiphar's wife, remaining faithful to the Lord, being lied on, which caused him to be placed in a prison unfairly. Joseph was loved by his father, but yet he found himself being forgotten for two whole years after he helped the cupbearer and the chief baker after interpreting their dreams. It took 13 years of suffering in various forms before Joseph found himself the second person in charge of all Egypt, 13 years of not knowing whether he would meet his father again or see his family again, 13 years of waiting and suffering from place after place. Joseph was loved by his father, yet he was crushed by the hatefulness of his brothers. Isn't it a paradox that sometimes in our lives we can be loved by our father in heaven, but also being crushed by life? How do you maintain your faith while suffering. We meet Joseph in a pit, and that pit is dark from just sharing a vision that God had given him that foretold a famine and his position in Egypt. He was without water in this pit, without resources in this pit. And the thing that symbolized love in this pit was being stripped from him. Can you relate to Joseph? How has life shown up and thrown you into a pit of despair? How has life shown up and thrown you into a pit of suffering? How has life showed up and thrown you into a spiritually dry place? Joseph was alone until his brothers took a step further and sold him into slavery. I laid in the hospital bed as I was thinking about Joseph. I say, Lord, what what maintains a person's faith like Joseph, going from pit to being sold to being lied on and thrown in pit prison? What what maintains uh, us through the moments of doubting and question questioning, or even uh, even having like complaints? God, God, why is this happening? What maintains? But as the story unfolds, God reveals something about this story that helps us understand the strength of Joseph's life. The Bible repeatedly said that God was with Joseph. From Genesis 37, in the pit, God was with Joseph. To Genesis 39, when his brothers sold him, God was with Joseph. Uh, that when he was in the prison, it still said that God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph when his brothers plotted against him. God was with Joseph in the pit. God was with Joseph when he was sold. God was with Joseph when he was lied on. And God was with Joseph when he was forgotten. That meant God cared for, protected, and blessed Joseph. Let me stop right here and tell somebody who was in a pit of life. Let me stop right here and tell somebody who feels like they are under oppression right now that God is still with you even in the midst of your suffering God is still present with you even when you're going through your darkest moment and it lets us know something that if God is with us that we can remain faithful to God because faithfulness to God is not about circumstances God's mercy is still present and Joseph's life reveals that Joseph's faithfulness to God was not based on his circumstances. See, Joseph took a role in Potiphar's house. He was doing so well that God gave him leadership and Potiphar placed him in charge. And Potiphar's wife tried to attempt to sleep with Joseph. And Joseph refused to disrespect Potiphar's home or sin against God. That's because sometimes even when you are suffering, you will be tempted. Tempted to do what? Tempted to quit. Tempted to look back. Tempted to give up tempted to get depressed and low to the point where you don't have any faith anymore tempted to isolate yourself tempted to say God you're not real because look at my suffering God you're not real because I can barely walk tempted to say all of these things but God didn't allow Joseph to do that because even in the pit even in the prison and even when he was forgotten by those two servants he was still faithful to God and I come to, you to remind somebody this morning that it's not about your circumstance. It's about how much you trust the Lord to show up in your circumstance. How do you have faith in your suffering? You see, Joseph's faithfulness to God was not even based on status, power, or what could be done for him. Genesis 41, 15 through 16. See, Joseph's time during prison, he met the chief butler and chief baker, and uh, they dishonored Pharaoh's court. And so they were in prison with him, and both of them had dreams. And after seeing uh, both struggle with those dreams, Joseph tries to serve them. They were struggling. They said, can you interpret dreams? And Joseph said, no, no, it's not me. It's God who interprets dreams. And and Joseph interprets their dreams. And both of them are released. One passes away because he was put to death. And two years goes by. And he was forgotten about. Until Pharaoh had his dream. And it troubles him. And then this man, the... The butler remembered Joseph and he tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh, like I know this this dude who can who can interpret dreams and Joseph gets uh before Pharaoh because he sends for him and instead of Joseph trying to manipulate or instead of tr- Joseph trying to control the situation or and say look at me Pharaoh like help me let me cut a side deal with you so you can deliver me from this suffering he points back to God and he said it's not Joseph who interprets these dreams it's God see even in the midst of suffering Joseph is still giving God the praise and giving him all the glory to interpret and to do things in his life and that just made lets me know that Joseph's life reminds us that we cannot place hope in nothing other than the one who is able to show up with power and grace and that's God we cannot place our hope in anything other than the Lord and I'm not saying do not work with the doctors because God can work through the doctors and I'm not saying don't go to therapy because you need to trust that God can show up and will work through therapy I'm just saying we've got to remember to point to the one who is able. And it's not about grasping for power. And it's not about uh, trying to manipulate. It's about God's power. And lastly, Joseph's story shows us that his faithfulness to God was grounded in trust. Do you know how much faith you need? To go through suffering for 13 years. Hmm. Not knowing that you would become second in command. uh, To lead the Egyptians to store food that would help his own family through a famine. And again, we forget that Joseph is a teenager when all of this happened. He's 17 years old. When this happens and he ends up 30 years old when he's placed second in command, that's 13 years of suffering. And God showed me that the story of Joseph is not just, it's it's not a rags to riches story. But about how God kept His his promise to Abraham that he made in Genesis 12. God promised Abraham that he would make a nation out of his offspring despite what Joseph's brothers did to him. God transformed the suffering that Joseph's brothers tried to inflict upon him into something good. God reunited Joseph with his family. And instead of Joseph trying to be angry, use his power to punish, harm, or even pay them back, Joseph weeps, forgives, and says these words with a full heart of trust Mm. but as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is to this day to save many people alive and so I pose this question how do we live a life of faith while we suffer And I've uh, learned something. We need to realize that suffering can either make us bitter or it can make us better. Say that again. Suffering can either make us bitter or it can make us better. I remember one time I was talking to my therapist, and he says, you know, we don't always have to talk about post-traumatic stress after this. We can start talking about post-traumatic growth. Mm. How is what you're going through or or experience going to cause you to grow from this? And after going through the suffering myself, I've chosen that I'm going to trust God going to trust God in my doctor's appointments I'm going to trust God with the uncertainty of the pain I'm going to trust God to reflect this glory and I got to ask you will you join me in that will you trust God with everything even when it does not feel like nothing is happening at all or it's happening all at once will you trust with me This past Friday, going to the doctor's office, because my doctor was worried that he was going to have to go back in and do a second surgery. Hmm. Nervous. All types of nervous. Types of nervousness that makes your palms sweat. And I took the x-rays and took a couple of hours for us to get the test results and I'm waiting and he comes in and he looks at me and he says I don't have to have a second surgery and he says um, you want to hear some better news I said what's that he said I'm going to clear you to wear uh, bear full weight on your, your leg again I said what like he said, yeah, like you could, you could, you could attempt to walk, but I don't know if you can. And I, I you know, me, I, I'm driven. I walk across the country. I say, you're going to let me get up? And he says, yeah. And so I start hobbling. And I remember the man, even with the limp, that wrestled with God. And to God, changed his name from Jacob to Israel, because suffering will make us reevaluate what is important. And so we have moments like this, where we got to reflect deeply. What is suffering trying to teach you in this moment? Is it to get closer to your family? Is it to commit to God again? Isn't to is it to wrestle with God until God gives you a limp where you can walk around and say, Look at this. It may it used to be a wound, but now it's a scar. And a wound is different from a scar because if a wound can reopen, but a scar tells a story. And I can point to my scar and say, It was nothing but the grace of God who gave me life today. It was nothing but the grace of God that is causing me to limp right now. It's nothing but the grace of God that's giving me the strength to show up. And give him all the praise. And as the band gets ready to come back. I have to share one of the reasons. I love Joseph's story so much. Because Joseph's story is a typology of Jesus. Like if we were to zoom out like 30,000 Square feet. We can see parallels of Joseph's life and Jesus's life. Joseph is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus. Case in point, Joseph was loved by his father, Genesis chapter 37. Jesus was beloved by the father in heaven, Matthew 3 and 17, John 10, Philippians 2. Joseph was hated for his words. Jesus was hated for his words. Joseph was envied and hated by his brothers. Jesus was envied and hated by his brother. Joseph's father sent him to his brothers. The father in heaven sends Jesus to the lost sheep of Israel. Joseph was conspired against. Jesus was also conspired against. Joseph was sold for the price of someone who would go into enslavement. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused. Joseph was 30 years old when he began his ministry. Jesus was also 30. Joseph was in between two prisoners. And I heard that Jesus was on a cross in between two criminals. Joseph became a savior to all the people in Egypt. But here it is we serve the Lord who became the Savior of all people and forgives people of their trespasses and their sins, according to John chapter 3, verse 16. And I come to tell somebody that let this remind you that, yeah, Joseph went through this suffering, but it points to a Savior who suffered for me and you, who was beaten, betrayed, stripped of his garments, had to carry a wooden cross and he carried it and he suffered and people laughed and mocked and called him the king of the Jews. And Jesus went all the way to the point of the cross until he was on the cross hanging in between two thieves with his arms stretched out and he looked towards heaven and he says, God, I suffered but forgive them of their sins for they do not know what they are doing to me. And what he was actually communicating that when you are caught in the pit of life, that when you are caught in suffering in life, when sin is beating down your door, that you have a savior that you can petition. And it's not about a food famine. It's about a spiritual famine. And that's the type of God we serve to show up in the midst of our suffering to say, I'm going to set you free. Even when you're suffering, I'm going to set you free. Even when you've experienced loss, I'm going to set you free. Even when you feel like you can't walk forward, I'm going to set you free because I gave all just for you. Just for you. Just for you. Just for you. And I need somebody in here this morning that if you've been limping, limping on the inside, you need to tell Jesus right now, God, I thank you That you made a way out of nowhere. And I'm gonna live to the cross when I have to. I'm gonna live to the cross when I experience loss. I'm gonna live to the cross when I'm depressed. I'm gonna live to the cross when I've been betrayed. I'm gonna live to the cross when I feel uncertainty. I'm gonna live to the cross when I feel doubt. I'm gonna live to the cross when I don't feel no hope. I'm gonna live to the cross. God I thank you God I thank you I want to pray for somebody right now God we pray for the persons who has been beaten down or find themselves in the pit God be their water be their rock be their hope and even if they have to limp out of the pit with you Give them the strength to remind them that there is hope in you. It is in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Thanks so much for tuning in for today's message. If you want to dig deeper into what you just heard, consider checking out our Next Steps podcast. Every Monday, we'll have a practical conversation surrounding Sunday's message and talk through how we can apply it to our daily lives. Along the way, we're going to tackle other tough questions and topics that will help strengthen your walk with God. Whether you're new to the faith or you're a longtime follower of Christ, there's a next step to take in your own story. Just search for Westridge Church Next Steps Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or visit westridge.com backslash podcast.